I think it's been a real interesting journey though. Overall, setting up my own business has been, it's emptied me as much as it's filled me. It has stretched me in ways that I did not expect to be stretched. I, you know, I, I managed global teams and all of a sudden here I am and I don't, I can't call my IT guy and I can't call somebody to help me do something. It's me. I'm everything. And now, of course, I have some people that help me with some things like that. But I'll tell you, it was a mind trick for me for a while because I thought if I can build a global team from scratch, this should be a piece of cake. And it, it's not as easy as it looks, as satisfied as I am overall. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do more of what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Kahn. If you're past 50 and wondering if it's now or never to start a business or take that business risk, how do you prepare yourself for that journey? or know if the risks are worth the reward. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'll be sharing a special conversation with the CEO of The Job Doctor, Tessa White. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. So if you're over 50 and wondering if it's now or never to start a business or take that business risk, how do you prepare yourself for that journey or know if the risks are worth the reward? Tessa White is a reformed Fortune 50 HR executive who decided to work the other side of the problem and help navigate the difficulties of working in corporate America. Tessa started a business in October of 2020 called The Job Doctor and quickly found her audience. She now has over a million followers and teaches people how to get ahead without losing themselves and teaches companies and people how to balance out the power and have better partnerships. As a side note, Tessa was 53 when she made this pivot and at the height of her career, She'd never been happier. Tessa has a new book out, The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. It's a workplace manual for how to navigate pay, promotions, and power at work. In this episode, Tessa and I discuss our careers and perspectives on work and life that may inspire you to be courageous in your next step and become more fulfilled in your own work and your life. To start off on our conversation, why don't you share a little bit about your career journey and in particular, how it has evolved into serving your current audience. Yes, my career journey is kind of interesting, I guess, to some. I was a single mom when I found out that I had to raise my family on my own. I had no college degree at the time. Fortunately, I worked for Stephen R. Covey of Seven Habits of Leadership fame. And I got into HR at that company. I really worked HR for 20 plus years before I found myself at a very millennial company. It's, it was called Vivint Solar at the time. It's now Sunrun. It's a direct sales company. And let me describe it to you. 4,000 
millennials and 10 adults in the room. That's pretty much (laughs) where I worked. And the experience there was really fascinating because I could see that there was a real big change occurring in how people and their companies behaved together. And so I actually left at the height of my career. Everyone thought I was crazy. And I started, well, I said I would retire. I didn't. Then I got caught in a pandemic and I was bored. So I started a business called The Job Doctor. And uh, I thought, you know, I've always wanted to serve the other side of the equation and help individuals figure out how to navigate work. Turned it on. And uh, here we are today, about two and a half years later. And it's taken me on a fantastic journey of writing a book, uh, doing a lot of television appearances, doing keynote speeches, the thing I used to help Stephen R. Covey do way back when. And I'm finding that it is actually one of the most satisfying career choices I've ever done. And here I am thinking I was on the, the tail end of my career. Turns out it was not. So tell me about you a little bit as well, because you got into this space and I don't know how you decided to get here as well. And usually the stories are very interesting of why someone would make a pivot. They are. And uh, the interesting thing is pivots and transitions, at least what I have experienced personally and also what I've seen with others is there's often a combination of something that you want to do proactively and something that you're reacting to, right? That That is not your mm-hmm. choice. And in my case, I started my career in a very focused niche. I studied chemical engineering. I have a master's from Cornell, you know, so high profile education, well credentialed to do the kind of work I was trained to do and seemingly a, um, particularly back in the seventies when I graduated, it was assumed that, especially in my field, you would go to work for one of the large corporations and make a career there. And in fact, the whole kind of corporate economic system and the system for for um, professionals in those days was set up to groom you as you might have imagined success to be, to, to be at one, one employer for the bulk of your career. And it, particularly if it was a big one, like a you know, big corporation, you'd have multiple opportunities to grow and advance and, you know, and then you retire. But the universe often has different plans for us. And in my case, just after my second performance review in my second job, when I had received a, a great review and I had a nice raise, a month later, my boss called me into his office. He says, David, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you're, you're doing a really great job. The bad news is you don't have a job here anymore. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Who was right. So that was the first big pivot. And I ended up kind of taking, doing some self-reflection and deciding that I didn't know that corporate America was really where my heart was. And I didn't want to face the same situation and particularly having it come about in a surprising fashion when I was, let's say, in my 50s. So I decided, let me do something where I think the employer-employee relationship is a little less like a commodity and a little more humane and where I'm doing something where I feel like I'm, I'm contributing more to society. So I went into the nonprofit sector and I was in executive roles. I managed to get a job as a, a nonprofit executive without 
any formal training doing that. And people who knew me thought that I was crazy because I, you know, I had this great engineering training and you know, good career track where you'd make make a decent living. Anyway, so I went into the nonprofit sector, did that for 23 years. And I was about the same age you were when I made the next pivot, which was, you know, I thought about that that first pivot the whole time and always realized I needed to have a plan B because you never know what if, what's going to happen. And I saw in the nonprofit sector, employees still were sometimes treated like commodities and sometimes they were blindsided with uh, unexpected terminations. And I wanted more control over my career destiny. And I came to a fork in the road where um, I knew that I was, it was time to make a change because I kind of gotten as high as I could in my organization. And, uh, and there was a change one level above me that was probably going to result in my needing to make a change. And I decided that my next pivot was going to be to work for myself. So I took the same path you took, Tessa, which is to go out on my own as a, as a consultant. That was in 2006. So I've been doing this a little longer than you, but it's been, um, been a fascinating ride ever since. So you wanted a little more control, just like I did in I didn't want the employer to call the shots anymore. I wanted to call more of the shots for my own life. The older I got, I wanted to figure out the work hours I wanted to work. And I wanted to work in areas that I knew I had talents in. It sounds like you similarly wanted to control your destiny as well. Very much so. Mm -hmm. no, but at the same time, making such a change, particularly when you're in your 50s, can be really daunting. There are financial risks. You have uh, a lifestyle that you need to support unless you want to change your lifestyle. And if you have people who are dependent upon your livelihood to be able to put food in their mouths and have, have a roof over their heads and uh, pay for tuition, then um, it, it's really necessary to either maintain a certain level of income or have assets that you can dip into and that you're comfortable dipping into. So there's the financial risk. There's, there's the emotional upheaval that comes from going from this corporate cocoon to something that's very unstructured where you spend initially, especially you spend a lot of time alone. So there's a lot of emotional upheaval. And then there's the, the intellectual risk. You know, you're used to being called something. They, your, your title that's associated with your, your job title and the, the credentials and the supposed respect that comes with being associated with a particular organization. And so you walk out the door of being Tessa at such and such company or David at such and such company to being, especially in the beginning, we often don't know what to call ourselves. You feel like a nobody. And then, you know, you come across people and they say, well, what do you do? And in particular, in the beginning, if you actually haven't booked a single client yet, it seems kind of, kind of daunting to say, well, I'm doing this when I actually haven't done it yet. Yes. Well, for me, you know, yes, you just put voice to something that really blew me away when I quit. I was used to being wined and dined and being able to get in places and talk to people because of the title. And suddenly I realized nobody cared anymore. And that that threw me for a loop for a while. And it brought me back. This, this woman spoke many, many years ago. And I remember her saying, when... What you do is who you is, then when you don't, you ain't. I love that. And I'm like, oh, wow, I am attached to my title 
and, and what that brought far too much. And, and part of the journey for me in starting over was kind of shaking that off and saying, who am I and what do I have to offer to the world and getting comfortable with it? That, that's a definite part of the journey that I tell people, if you're going to start your own business, be ready for that. It's a tough one. Right. It also means you need to change your focus mm-hmm. from who you are and how people define you to who you serve and what problem you solve for them. Yeah. Now, I didn't have the financial uh, piece that you're talking about. Luckily, my husband is still in the workforce. He's an executive as well. And so it allowed me the ability, and I think this is part of why the business took off, is I didn't have the typical constraints. I could, the only constraint I had is that I have to self-fund whatever I try. But I was able to be incredibly creative and try anything because I've used it as a big experiment and I didn't have to, you know, bring a paycheck home and put it on the table and feed my family. And I think it actually helped me grow faster because I dared take more risks. But tell me about your side of being someone who did need to provide and what that looked like and what considerations you have to make. Well, as I said, in describing my, um, my career, my pivots, when I made the jump from being an employee to being an entrepreneur, there was, I, I said, I, was, I knew I was going to need to make a choice, right? There was a, a, a change in my organization and there was some, some overlap between my new CEO and my skills. So I knew that at some point I was going to either need to leave on my own or I was probably going to be asked to leave. So I decided, even though I knew what I wanted to do next, I decided I would wait because if I was asked to leave, there would be some financial runway to help me make that pivot. Because I knew- That's right. Right, when you, when you go from job to job, mm-hmm. if you're unemployed for a period of time and your, your income comes primarily from your job, your income is going to go from 100 to something very small or zero. Mm-hmm. The minute you walk in the door of the new company, your income goes right back up to 100. And, and when you go from employee to entrepreneur, your income does not go from zero to 100 overnight. So I knew that having a, that financial cushion would be super helpful. So that gave me the ability to develop some business before there was really like financial crunch time. And I will say, luckily, I was able to develop a nice amount of business during that first period of time that was able to replace the the employment income within the amount of time, like the time frame that I needed. So for me, it, it worked okay. I'm sure there were times though, before that money started coming in where you went, oh, what have I done? I mean, how, how did you cope with the days, the down days when you wonder if you're really going to be able to get this business over the finish line? It was really hard. And actually one thing that was very helpful during that transition time, I had a major volunteer role, an organization where I was co-chairing a conference and it required, I was probably spending like 20 hours a week doing this. It was, it was a, a huge task and I had started it while I was still employed. So I had the, the social connection and I had Actually, I had a huge amount that I had to do anyways. I was sort of forced to function. So even on the down days, there was that social structure and the camaraderie of all these people that I was interacting with. And I was in a senior role as the co-chair of the conference where I was managing about 100 volunteers. 
So that was like, that was a huge help. And I think if I hadn't had that, the down days would have been so much harder. Yeah, for me, it was during the pandemic. The down days were very isolating. I was already isolated. I was used to being in a big company with people everywhere and traveling every week. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at a computer each day. And if you don't create it, it doesn't happen. And some days I didn't know what to do next. And I, I found that the thing that helped me the most was just to create energy each day, even if I didn't know what the thing was I would do, do the one little thing I knew to do. And that in doing so, I could create energy, which kind of would feed some other things. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, things were coming back at me and reaching out to other people. This idea that you have this, you had this other support that was really important to me. Some days I would just pick up the phone to make a gratitude phone call to someone I hadn't talked to for a long time and to say, I was thinking about you today. And even that alone could create some energy enough, at least to get me through to the next day. Yeah, and no, it's really important to, to have those activities that generate energy. And we were talking earlier today about this idea of connection and how important connection becomes in, especially when you're starting a business. Tell me about your views on that and about how important connection is and how, how you get business coming in the door. What have you found to be most effective? Well, I think they're both separate and related. Mm -hmm. You can create a process that will accelerate getting business in the door, mm -hmm. particularly if you're going from a high achieving professional position in a, in a company to a consulting or coaching role, which is a very common transition. And as a consultant or coach, your business is most likely to come through referrals, which means it's going to come from people who know you, who like you, who care, care about you, who trust you. And you need to have some kind of system to actually just work your network. You know, I was recently approached by a former employee who just went solo, who has left, uh, left employment and, and started his own business. And he sent me an email. Um, it's probably the same email he has sent to everybody else in his network. He says, hi, David. I'm excited to let you know that I've um, decided to take the entrepreneurial plunge and I've started my, my business. Here's what I'm focused on. Just want to reach out to see if you know of anybody who needs, and he just kind of listed the things that he's offering. That's wonderful. Smart. Right, which, which is very smart. And I will tell you, it's hard to do because you don't want to seem like all of a sudden you're like unemployed and begging for work. But in fact, unless you directly ask people for referrals, you're probably not going to get any. No, nobody is um, sort of waking up in the morning thinking, oh, Tessa needs me to make a referral or David needs me to make a referral. So you actually, you need a system to be able to do that and just reaching out to people. You know, people who, who care about you will try to help if they can. You know, so, we, you know, again, he reached out to me. I said, oh, we should talk. Why, why don't you, here's my, my calendar link. Why don't we book a meeting? You know, so, you know, we have a, a date now for us to speak. And I, you know, I don't know that I can necessarily use his services, but I may be able to make an introduction that, that would be helpful to him. And, and I'd be happy to do that. So that's like, that's the kind of thing I think you need to do early on to get business. Now, the other part of your question about the connection, I think it's really important. And I learned this early on in, in, in my entrepreneurial run when I first started 
formally doing kind of structured business networking, I, I learned how important it is to be connected to other people in a structured way. It's not just the informal, oh yeah, I can reach out to somebody I know and send a message of, of gratitude or say, are you up for a phone call or a cup of coffee? Those are good, but it is really important to have actually a structured community that you're connected to, that you have multiple ways of engaging with other members of that community every single day, because there will be the down days and there will be the up days. And you need to be able to participate in the community by, by giving of yourself, sharing your expertise, helping other people, and then being there and asking for help and asking for support when you need it. And that is how you will have the emotional support to overcome those down days. You will hear some unexpected great ideas that will help you save money, save time, make money faster, and you will get introductions or perhaps direct referrals for business because you're interacting with people who get to know you and understand you and understand like what makes you tick, what you care about, what you need, etc. And in fact, you invited me to your community and I was able to participate and I will tell you it was wonderful to be able to ask questions of other people. So much of the time, I'm just scratching my head and, you know, occasionally I'll call a coworker, but I'm making a lot of guesses. And it was very, very nice to have a community of people that I could throw out an idea or get input on. Uh, so I couldn't agree with you more. And I really want to make sure I plug that for you because it's, it's a really good resource for people. Very valuable. Thank you, Tessa. So what have you found has been helpful for you when when you have those down days? When I have down days, I pick up the phone. That's the one thing I learned. I thought I, I'm going to pick up the phone and actually talk to a human being. And, and remember, I my business was born through the pandemic and much of my business, or at least my my followers who give me business come from social media. So I'm looking at a screen all the time but rarely get to interact in a meaningful personal way. So for me, that was number one. And then as the pandemic lifted, I learned I have to go out to lunch at least twice a week with some other person and learn or go to a forum, something where I can be with people, hear what's happening in the world, have conversation, and it sparks my creativity. It always, I come back with new ideas, and a freshness and a lightness about me. Whereas if I get stuck in the house day after day trying to build a business, I can get worn down pretty quick. Yeah, ab absolutely. I think the phone is an underutilized tool. I know it sounds so old school. I'm going to pick up the phone and make a phone call, but it's the connection. You've got to find ways to connect any way possible. And sometimes Zoom, I just am so tired of being on Zoom that, that the old archaic telephone seems to be the thing that really does it for me. Yeah. Also, you can't use Zoom to randomly call somebody. That is true. Right. You can do it with FaceTime, but you can't do it with Zoom. That's right. That's right. I think it's been a real interesting journey, though. Overall, doing setting up my own business has been, it's emptied me as much as it's filled me. It has stretched me in ways that I did not expect to be stretched. I, you know, I, I manage global teams and all of a sudden here I am and I don't, I can't call my IT guy and I can't call somebody to help me do something. It's me. I'm everything. Now, of course, I have some people that help me with some things like that. But I'll tell you, it was a mind trick for me for a while because I thought if I can build a global team from scratch, this should be a piece of cake. 
And it, it's not as easy as it looks, as satisfied as I am overall. <laughs> it's so true. And, and I ran organizations quite successfully for many years and found the same thing. The thing that was easy for me in the transition into my business, the actual core piece of what I did to run organizations made it super easy to run my tiny organization compared to the size of the ones that I was running as an employee. But there, there were so many aspects of running a business that I had never done before. Marketing, selling, and uh, content creation, running events. Mm-hmm. There was lots of learning going on. There's still lots of learning going on. Yeah, I, selling is an interesting one because I do sell. I have products. I have services that I sell. And I learned very quickly. It wasn't the overt ask that helped. It was really understanding a person's problem. And then I didn't, once I understood people's problems and I was speaking to the pain that they felt, I didn't have to ask for the business and it seemed to come to me. But that was also a learning that took me, I, I was a little clunky with it. Yeah. But, and, and um, you know, one of the things that we were talking about in the, the session you visited is the importance of trying. And like, with, if you haven't sold before, you got to try, you'll, you'll get better at it. That's right. What what was the one skill set that you would say you struggled the most with as you got going? Oh, marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd never done anything like it before. And so now, what's the what's the best tip that you would give somebody who's embarking on this for that particular piece? Actually, what you just said, which is really listening to somebody who is a prospect, listening to what they need. And when you listen really carefully and you steer the conversation to describe the outcome that you can produce for them, it makes the sale much easier. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. In fact, the conversation naturally goes there if you are listening to problems as opposed to buy my book, do this thing. Yeah, I would agree. So Tessa, is there anything else um, that you want to cover before we close out? Mm, I'm thinking. People that I know are concerned about taking the leap of faith. I mean, it sounds really good to them on the surface, but it gets really scary to actually do it. And I think the first month or two, at least for me, was the hardest because my the clarity of the business I wanted wasn't fully formed. I had to say it out loud and see how it felt. And I probably had three or four iterations of my business before I landed on the job doctor and what I do. What advice would you give people who are jumping off the diving board, wondering if there's water in the pool. Ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Answer that question, write it down, and then ask yourself, okay, so if that actually does happen, what will I do? Answer that question and write it down. And then take your answers and stick them on the wall in front of you so you see it every day. So you are in your face, the worst that could happen I have a solution for the worst that could happen, or I can at least deal with it. I know what it is. And then everything less than that's gravy. It's all about always having a plan B. I think that's really important. In fact, somebody gave me that advice, not for a business, but for just life in general, because I've had some hairy personal situations in my time. And I actually think that's how I got past the hump was writing down the worst that could happen. In this case, it would have been a death of one of my kids. And I think 
once I, you know, come to peace with it, but once you actually put it up there and say, how do I think I could handle that? I think everything else seemed easier. So I think that's really great advice. Yeah. And um, what do you tell people about looking down at, at the pool and wondering if there's really water there before they jump? I tell them it's going to scare the crap out of them. I say, look, I, I'm just telling you that for six months, you're going to think you did the wrong thing. So I'm just telling you right now to be prepared for feeling that way. You will hit a point where you'll say, I don't know what I'm doing and I did the wrong thing. And just allow yourself to feel it and let it wash over you and then continue working. And every hard thing I see people go through, particularly in careers, a new move to a new company, total pivot and change. I tell people it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel crappy for a while. And once you can accept that, you'll get through the crappy and then you'll feel more alive than you've ever felt in your life. And so that's the advice I give. It's great advice. Tessa, we've covered a lot of ground today. It's been a great conversation. I'm so glad that you and I have connected and been able to share our thoughts with our audience. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And it's, it's fun to see someone taking a similar journey and learn from you. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the CEO of The Job Doctor, Tessa White. You can learn more about Tessa at thejobdoctor.com. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of this episode along with the links to connect with Tessa White. You can also access our vast library of podcast episodes. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. I'm David Schreiner-Kahn. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.